Hello and welcome to the Gethinelli's podcast. This is the first episode and I have got a guest with me today, which is Andy Robinson. Um, Andy's been working in the fitness industry now for 13 years. Um, I'm not going to take the limelight away from him. I'm going to let Andy introduce himself, give a bit of back, background about himself and we're going to discuss about sleep um, around training. Um, so let me add Andy to it. Hey mate, am I on? Yeah, yeah, we're on, we're on. Champion, Hello. thank you for having me on, mate. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How are you? Yeah, good, man. Good. It's um, it's uh, chilly there. I'm up in like I'm I'm in the north east of the UK, and it's like a, a really cold spring day, but it's nice. The sunshine in at least. <laughs> it's the same here in Liverpool. It's a little bit windy from what I can see, so the run can wait until another day. I think. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> so, first of all, um, if you give a little background about yourself, um, how you got into fitness, why you got into fitness, and how you're still in fitness 13 years later. Yeah. Um, I love this question. It's like, fit 30 years into 30 seconds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Andy. Um, I, actually, I live in Melbourne. I'm only in the UK at the minute. Um waiting for a new visa. So I'm over here during lockdown and stuff whilst, uh, whilst I'm waiting for a new visa. I've got a partner, Jess, back over there. Um, two dogs, uh, Golden Retriever Max, Buddha the Rock Wheeler. Uh, so that's the actual about me bit. Uh, in terms of fitness stuff, yeah, I, I got in super, super early. So I was working part-time in like a hotel gym as a receptionist whilst I was studying for GCSEs. Um, I was like, well, I like fitness. I'd always kind of played rugby and football and I'd always had, always been fairly sporty. So I was like, well, I love fitness. If I'm working here, might as well start doing my qualifications. One thing led to another and just kind of in the hotel gym, ended up doing my level two, level three fitness instructor and kind of snowball from there. And then over the last 13 years, up until between two and three years ago, um, I was you know, on, on the floor PT. So in gyms, boot camps, you know, all that sort of stuff. I didn't really specialize in anything, if you like. Um, but mostly helping, like my general client base has always general been kind of general population, mums and dads, people kind of trying to get on top of their weight, on top of their health. Um, so that's what I've been doing up until about two, three years ago. And then completely unrelated to the global club and the rest of it about two to three years ago I decided to go um to go more to go online um partly because i've been doing it for so long and i was becoming more family orientated as a pt 10 years of 4 30 a.m starts gets a little bit weird um so from a selfish point of view i was like i need to go on. i need to do something different you know i want to, I want to spend time with people who mean something to me and uh, so i decided to make a move online and also kind of Obviously, that's the selfish reason, but kind of decided to move online because there were a few things I was starting to bring into my own personal training that you couldn't, or you didn't really need to be in a gym for. Um, so I kind of decided to see if it, if it would work either alongside personal training. It turns out it worked for me and my clients actually work better than the personal training itself. So the last three years, I've been working online, working um, working with coaching people online. Yeah, no, I'd say... Um... I think over the last year, especially, um, a lot of PTs have had to adapt 
to the online side of things. Um, yeah. Some have not progressed as well as they thought they would. Others have thrived and took. I mean, they've took more clients on now than they have ever done before, and doing even more. Yeah. How has the pandemic affected you? Have you which side of it have you gone with? <laughs> um, like. So my so business wise, business has been good. Um, I think, as I say, because I've been able, like, just naturally progress into things outside of a gym anyway, um, focusing on more health based stuff, if you like. Um, just, just naturally, I was more inclined that way anyway. Um, so over. Yeah, I, d- I don't like saying this because it makes me feel like I'm taking advantage of a bad situation. But it was quite nice for people like me, if you like, who, who who do help people in a more holistic sense. When the lockdown happened, people obviously go, well, shit, I can't train in the gym now. What do I do? Can I sh- shine the limelight on people like me um, who help people get where they want to be without using this one very specific tool? Yeah. Um, business-wise, it's been good it's been good um personal wise i think person yeah personal wise same as anyone else right it's, it comes with its struggles um i just uh, i actually feel very grateful that i've gone down the paths that i have over the last few years and i've been forced to practice what i preach more so than ever so yeah it's um it's actually been positive just with challenges yeah no as i say um i only started um my business in may last year so the pandemic yeah so i've not seen world outside the pandemic in the pt fitness side of things so i've had to, my kudos to you it's it's gone completely <laughs> backwards if you like so i started with the nutrition online not personally face to face so i've gone backwards in the whole whole sense of it so um and i've been very lucky now obviously to work with a friend of yours nathan um yeah and doing some of the insights and the help and stuff um people like like yourself and nathan are given it's just incredible in not to panic not to make rash decisions and panic i mean and it's just having that comfort of someone going it's all right it'll happen again i mean something will happen again we'll be okay again um yeah i think i think the people who've kind of done better out of this are the people who kind of took a step back and went, well, ultimately all we really want is the end goal. And we've just had one tool that we can use to get people to that end goal. We've just had one tool taken away. So I think people who took that approach were rather than going, well, shit, I've got to close down and take money from the government now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much the difference between between two. The, the people who did well out of this and the people who were uh, who still struggling, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I understand. So, when did you come back from Australia? Then were you still there for some of the pandemic? Was the gym still open there? What was what was that like? Because obviously here we are. I have had virtually twelve months straight of lockdown, um, which is a long time to be locked down. It's it's the last few months that kind of the challenges have really kind of crept in mentally, um, but. Yeah, I've, I've been over in the UK since mid-October. Right. Um, and, and the other fun bit is, one of the things I don't think people over here, like over in the UK, realise is Melbourne winters are bad. Like, they are exactly like UK winters. It's summers that are better. So, because it's on the other side of the world, I've gone from winter to winter, and I'm probably going back to another winter. And right, lockdowns so. a lot. Yeah, it's going to be, um, be three back-to-backs then, really. 
Yeah, so as I say, like just very, very fortunate that I'm uh, I'm practicing what I preach. But yeah, but I'm hoping to get back by the end of April. That's that's the plan. Be back in Australia at the end of April. Yeah, no, say the I'm I'm a little bit jealous um, with going to Australia with everyone relating it to the sun. Uh, something we don't get much of here. Um, <laughs> yeah, but our main discussion today is going to be around sleep and training with. Um, so, if you could give a bit of um, a, a backstory of how you got into studying about sleep, like, and how we got more into the sleep side of things, because we all know, or we all know the optimal of seven to nine hours, but no one really goes into the pros and cons of why and how it can actually benefit um, in the long term, if you like. Yeah, cool. Well, first things first, like, because obviously this is limited to a fairly short period of time but what i basically want for this is to be for it to kind of be a practical thing for people so people kind of have things they can take away and do and know why they're doing it um i could speak for hours and hours we could do like literally a joe rogan style podcast like just go for four hours just talking about sleep and then probably have to do like three in a row um but for me well when i first started looking at sleep as i say about three years ago is when i was kind of looking at more holistic like you know more taking more of a holistic viewpoint of people's health because when i was working in the last gym i was working in um it's probably the most extreme case i've seen of this where people were incredibly fit but unhealthy um and i think in my mind i think this is where like i had this really clear split in that health and fitness are super different things like super super distinct things and you know, it wasn't a CrossFit gym, but it was that style of training. And you'd have 40, 50-year-olds coming in doing this really intense hard work. Like, you, you get 50-year-olds rowing, like, sub-140, 500-meter splits. Like, you know, it's like, is, this is insane. And, like, on paper, it's like, damn, that's, that's an incredible gym. But you take a look at them, and they've got a big beer gut, they've got bloodshot eyes, big bags under their eyes. Like, they don't really have much of a personality. It's like man we're just training we're just training really fit fucked up people um so it sounds like the way it is you know um you get that sort of random person where you're like how are you like on the outside you don't look fit but on the inside you're ridiculous it's like yeah (laughs) yeah so i think this this distinction between health and fitness was huge and i think one of the things that helps especially helps my guys is making this kind of split between the two because you can't really cure like most people's you know talking in terms of clients i i deal with and i appeal to where it's more general population weight loss that sort of thing you can't really solve those problems with a fitness solution if you like like you know the reason most people feel like shit isn't because of a lack of fitness if you look at like the solutions people have they turn to when they feel crap it is six week challenges um boot camp style sessions where they're doing as many burpees as they can and x amount of detoxin exactly yeah <laughs> and the reason someone's unhealthy and out of shape isn't because of a lack of a detox if that makes sense you know it's or it's not because of a lack of a supplement or it's not because of a lack of a you can pretty much insert anything and i think for me when i was like going through like ultimately what is good health to me like by far and away the number one thing that gets overlooked not just in health and fitness as well like is sleep 
like nothing comes close there is nothing that sleep doesn't affect physiologically biologically or psychologically um you know our body works better when we sleep so i kind of start start down like a few different rabbit holes because like i say like we all know we should be getting seven to nine hours like you know make sure you're taking the time to actually unwind all that sort of stuff but there wasn't really a huge amount around why or how to actually get good quality sleep um so yeah man i think first of all just deciding sleep is important is a massive thing because a really good book to listen to on this actually is if anyone is interested in sleep is why we sleep by matthew walker and he does say he says the biggest overlooked thing in health in general that we're going to move into over the next 10 years is sleep mm. um like there's there's mental studies out there when it comes to a really good one i like to quote just for the purpose of impact is there's the it's called something like the daylight savings heart study study and when we have daylight savings times and, and clocks move an hour forward we see between a 22 and a 28 percent increase in myocardial infarction um patients in the following week like without fail um and the only thing that's changed is is that hour change in sleep so i think deciding deciding it's important is huge but i understand why people don't necessarily focus much on it because we've not really understood why we would sleep like you know if, if you say someone why would you sleep yeah there's you know like you know there's no real answer to it um yeah, yeah. and it, it's only something sorry go on hello i can see you now i can see can you see me now of course uh yeah i mean we don't the problem is we don't really know why we sleep or we haven't known really why we sleep no there's a really good quote in this book um why we sleep and you know if a doctor was to explain to someone who had never heard of sleep before you know we'd imagine you're in hospital just given birth we've never slept before and then all of a sudden this we've got this baby and just doctor turns around randomly and goes by the way for one third of that baby's life it is going to appear like it's in a coma sometimes it might even appear like it's dead it's going to hallucinate um and it's going to be incredibly hard to wake up sometimes good luck <laughs> you know so it's, it's kind of i understand why we haven't put that much uh what's what i'm looking for priority into if you like because we've not really understood the benefit it has all we've really known is you know we've got three biological drives as human beings we've got the biological need to reproduce we've got the biological need to eat and drink um and we've got the biological need to sleep um you know you can't not sleep but we've just not known why we've done it up until recently yeah no i i'm at a point where i'm learning a bit more about sleep and you've got these like whoop bands and stuff as well which help with recovery um and i used to be terrible especially when i used to work in the restaurant doing it you'd be doing um a straight shift eight till ten you don't yeah. wind down till one two you back up a six doing i was looking i remember looking at my um sleep it was not long ago actually 
I was discussing with my girlfriend um, the difference of my sleep now to what I was when I was working in the restaurant. Yeah. And I mean, now I'm on eight, minimum eight hours. If I've, if I've not had an eight hours sleep, I need three coffees in the morning. Yeah. Um, before I was, I was running on four, three, four hours sleep or some days. Yeah. It's insane. And I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? It's become, it becomes normal. Like the way we've set our world up, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not um, congruent with having a restful sleep. And one of the things I wanted to talk about as we get into sleep is obviously some people just seem to be more inclined to stay awake at night and wake up late. Some people be more inclined to go to bed early, wake up early. Some people somehow manage to go to sleep late and wake up early. Like you've got those freaks. <laughs> yeah. You just have the, the uh, everyone, the DNA lottery when it comes to sleep. But like these, these things are actually hardwired into our DNA. Um, I think, and this is the really hard thing is historically, like we've called, um, you know, what, what we would call night owls, we've kind of pinned it down to laziness that, well, it's your own fault. You're not going to bed earlier. That's why you're waking up later, that type of thing. And what we're starting to see is actually that there are three, two major categories of sleepers, if you like, um, uh, which are just basically said, you've got your night owls who go to bed late, wake up late. You've got your morning larks who go to bed early, wake up early. And then you've got your, um, let's just re scientifically refer to them as freaks who can just <laughs> sit in the middle. And, 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 and this is one of the things like, one of the problems we have is our body and specifically our brain hasn't really evolved much over the last 100,000 years or so. 100,000 years or so. Um, but obviously society compared to even 100 years ago has massively shifted. Um, got stuff like the Industrial Revolution and all that sort of stuff. And it's, the way the world is now isn't congruent with our biological needs, if you like. So people, with, without taking these biological kind of hardwiring into, into account, we're almost setting some people up for failure because... A lack of sleep, like, it's when you go through the symptoms of being sleep deprived, it sounds like you're exaggerating. Like, it sounds, you know, when you Google an illness and you're like, shit, I had a headache and now I've got AIDS. Um, <laughs> Self diagnostics. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It sounds like you've done that, but like, a sleep deprivation, it's, and look, when you look at studies, you have to go, you have to say it's linked to, there's no causal factor that we've identified yet, but it's linked to being overweight, obesity, diabetes, depression, anxiety, um, like cancer, even like chronic inflammation is linked to chronic inflammation and things like cancer and um, autoimmune diseases. So when you go through the who's who of, um, of, of sleep deprivation, it's kind of like, yeah, I kind of wish I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> but the hard thing is, is because we are hardwired in certain ways, it's almost like, what's, what's the way to get around this? Which, you know, I, I myself am naturally a night owl. I naturally want to stay up until 11, 12 o'clock at night, sometimes even 1am. That's when I feel like my most creative, like in a few hours before then, like most productive. And I find it quite difficult to break that, but being a PT, obviously that's not, um, that's not a, uh, a viable option. So there are things we can do, which I'll cover off kind of a little bit later on but i think what we need to kind of understand is people are a combination like 
when it comes to supply, people are really a combination of hard on themselves and not being prepared to do the work to make things better. So what I mean is someone might call themselves lazy because they will stay up watching Netflix or something, and I'll just be like, oh, it's just me, it's just some lazy. Yeah. Um, and they'll obviously struggle to wake up in the morning on the back of that. But then it's almost like we're not shown how to ask the questions to change it or told that we can change it in the first place. Um, so I think first things first, like understanding that we are hardwired pri primarily in one of three ways is an important distinction to make because as much as anything, knowing that we, there is a reason why we're acting the way we're acting or we're following following it's just a big help and it helps to not not fix them but hack them to match our lifestyle yeah no i and it, as i say it's one thing you learn more and more about is how important sleep really is um because yeah. everyone preaches when it comes to weight loss about the energy balance calorie deficit get your steps in get this in but it's becoming more and more now that people are starting to say, wait a minute, you need more sleep. Um, yeah. And one thing with my online coaching I've noticed is um, you can see how much sleep people get. So it comes up. Yeah. And I'm like, so let's, let's get in target. So some people do I mean have got busy jobs and et cetera and work for the NHS, work for nurses, as nurses, chefs, stuff like that. And you kind of get that little bit but other people will just, as you say, will just stay up because A, yeah. they find themselves more creative at that time of night. Um, yeah. Or B, they're just, as you say, they're just lazy and they don't want to go to fucking bed. Do you know I mean, they just want to stay up. And Yeah. But they're the same people that will moan and whinge as well that they're not seeing results and not looking after themselves and they are feeling fatigued and tired sometimes. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and for sure. And, I think as a coach, like it's it's always striking that fine balance between there's a reason you feel like shit and you're not getting results. What do you want to do about it? And there is a reason you feel like shit and aren't getting results. So just be aware of that, right? Um, so it's, it's, it's always that fine balance. And yeah, I mean, look, I think what I'll do is I'll dive down into kind of the practical elements that are going to help people. If you're happy with that, like, is there any yeah, questions or anything? Honestly, honestly this is, I mean, there's no, uh, it's unedited, unplanned, I mean, it's... Sick. Go cool. On. All right. So I think, as already said, sleep, sleep is the most underrated thing when it comes to health and fitness. If you want to sleep better, if you want better digestive health, if you want more energy, if you want better performance in the gym, if you want better concentration, if you want better health in general, first place to turn is sleep. Like, look at improving your sleep. And when it comes to sleep, like, there's two key things. And similar to, like, how we separated um, health to fitness, you've got both sleep quality and you've got sleep quantity. Um, so sleep quantity, generally the rule of thumb is seven to nine hours for most people. That is kind of what, what, we, um, what we seem to need. But sleep quality is a huge thing because spending eight hours in bed very rarely equates to eight hours of sleep. Mm. Um, and, you know, when we take sleep quality into account, although we're spending eight hours in bed, it's probably equating to maybe four to five hours of actual decent quality sleep. Mm. So I think we don't necessarily always need to, um, to focus on increasing our sleep quantity. Sometimes it's not even a viable option, right? Like you said, for shift works and stuff, 
yeah. you're going to get four hours in bed sometimes if you're swapping from a day shift to a night shift or something. Um, the only real thing we can focus on then is improving sleep quality. So when it comes to sleep quality, our brain, the, the sleep is, I think that understanding sleep in the first place is a big thing. So I think sleep is oversimplified in the sense of we close our eyes, we wake up in the morning and we've been asleep. The, the the neurological things that are happening whilst we're asleep are insane. Like this, the, the the amount of brain activity that goes on whilst we are asleep. You know, we we form memories, we embed skills. Um, this, when we either learn or practice something, something called myelination happens. So basically, what that means is in our brain, um, as we do things, we create connections between different neurons in our brain, and the myelination of that, similar to how we build muscle when we recover, the myelination, the strengthening of that connection, whether it's a memory, a skill, or whatever, that happens whilst we're asleep, um, whilst whilst we're recovering. So during these sleep cycles, we, we work through sleep cycles in the night where our brain goes through different levels of activity. You've got basically four levels of what's called REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement sleep, uh, and you've got um, non uh, NREM sleep which is non-rapid eye, uh, non eye movement sleep. And over a period of roughly 90 minutes, we'll go through these cycles in different periods um, over, over varying times. The interesting thing with that as well is it's not, the 90 minute cycles don't match. Like cycle one, you could have, through that 90 minutes, you could have like 75% REM sleep. The next one, you could have 75% NREM sleep. Yeah. Um, we don't really understand why that happens yet either, um, which is pretty mental. Like you know, when when, when people are when people are, uh, have, are hooked up to um, electric monitors and stuff and measuring our brainwave activity, like you can't predict what's going to happen next. As we've not found a feasible way of predicting what the brain's going to do next when we're sleeping. So all we know is that there seems to be like these ninety-minute blocks if you like. And it's during these cycles where these connections happen. And then the, the other thing that happens when we're sleeping is the whole reason we sleep in the first place, or the thing that triggers our need to sleep is a buildup of what's called adenosine, which is a neurochemical. Um, so adenosine, now I don't know how much people listening to this might know about um, nutrition and energy production, but when we do all of our biological um, all of our biological functions require something called ATP for uh, for us to work properly, which is adenosine tri triphosphate. So, as we are doing things, we're breaking these ATP molecules, these ATP bonds, and we're getting this kind of waste molecule of adenosine, which is building up. This buildup of adenosine is what um, is what creates the need to sleep. Our brain registers. This, this buildup of adenosine, it creates something called sleep. Um, and it just naturally builds up through the day. And come, you know, time of our natural sleep time, we'll notice that our sleep need, our sleep pressure is so great that we just naturally want to go to sleep. Um, and one of the functions of sleep during these 90-minute cycles, during NREM sleep, is to drain this adenosine out from our brain so we wake up without this buildup of sleep pressure. So... 
first, I, what I was going to do is at the end, just go through some practical tips, but I'll include one now. If you're trying to plan your sleep life, if you're trying to focus on it, once obviously you take into account roughly how long it takes you to get to sleep, plan your amount of sleep, if you can, in the 90-minute block, um, like in a series of 90-minute blocks, if you like. So, you know, six hours, seven and a half hours, or nine hours type thing. If you wake up halfway through one, you will feel like shit. Like that's when you wake up brain foggy, when you break up, when you wake up, like, you know, hitting snooze 15 times, you'll, you'll, you'll have woken up in the middle of a cycle and you're not designed to wake up during that. So plan your sleep in 90 minute blocks if you can. Another quick tip on that actually, um, is there's a free app, what's it called? I think it's literally just called sleep cycle tracker and it's got a smart alarm on it where you set a half hour window. Um, you set a half hour window and it'll sense, it'll measure your breathing and stuff. Weirdly accurate for something that just measures noise and breathing. Um, but it will wake you up within this window at the most optimal time for you to wake up. That's massive. So, do you use, do you use that for yourself or do you recommend it to your clients or? Recommend it to everyone. Right. Recommend it to everyone. I've never used it myself, but I will definitely download that because if there's one thing that I don't mind improving, that's my sleep. Um, yeah, I mean, and I've I've noticed sometimes. I mean, you can even um, sometimes you can benefit more from having a nap than actually train. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, and I, and I I've said this before to my clients as well, where they were like, "Oh, are you sure you want me to have another? You know, I mean, you want me to have a day off today? Not?" I was like, "Listen, your body's exhausted. The yeah. Last session wasn't up to opt with your optimal performance." Today, I just want you to have, instead of a, a training session, have a nap. And they're like, pardon? <laughs> yeah. You're telling me to go to sleep. I'm like, I'm telling you to have a nap and relax. I'm not telling you, to, I mean, you don't, I mean, you're going to benefit more from doing that than coming to a gym or going to the, a Zoom or whatever with me and yeah. being punished for an hour. <laughs> you can it's, benefit a lot. More. Having a conversation with adults about having a nap is mental. Like, it, it stops me like, well, you want me to sleep? Like, it's, it's almost like sleep is the last thing we need to worry about. Realistically, it's probably the first. Yeah. Um, is double bluffing them as yeah. well? Is that Sorry? Double, is that double bluff as in, you, you've been serious here? You, yeah. <laughs> um, but as children, when we were told, I mean, go to bed, we're like, now nah, I want to stay up late, I want to stay up late. Now, if someone says go to bed, I'll be like, yeah, no worries, I'm, I'm going. Yeah. I mean, it's the complete yeah. opposite. And as children, we, we nap, or do you mean we'd nap four or five times a day sometimes? Yeah. Well, as, as smaller children sort of thing. Why is that not a, come with us when, as we're adults? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's because I think we've become more subservient to just the way life is, like understanding that we have a lot of pressures in life and that comes first before we do. I think that's just a really bad side effect of the world that we live in but interesting no this will be helpful for anyone who has kids especially teenagers if you've got um teenage teenagers especially uh males like men or, or boys but especially between the ages of like 13 and 19 our circadian rhythm so the thing we call our body clock generally seems to for some reason shift forward one to two hours um it happens quite quickly as well which is really weird. You know, like anyone who's got teenagers or remembers being teenagers themselves, you remember that, you know, going to sleep before school, you just want to stay up. And, you know, it would be quite difficult to fall asleep. But 
you know, I, I was an extreme example of this. I'd get home from school and fall asleep and then not, and not want to fall asleep again until kind of 12, 1 a.m. And this is because in teenagers, our circadian rhythm, like not just sleep, but all of our biological functions seem to shift forward an hour. Um, so if we look at things like leptin and ghrelin, so hunger hormones, they all seem to shift by one to two hours. Um, not in everyone. But it's a pretty common theme in, say, mostly males uh, between the ages of 13 and 19. So if you are a teenage yourself listening to this, which will be a surprise, uh, or if you have teenage kids, just be aware, like, it's not, it's not a, a lack of discipline. It's literally them trying to pay attention, like their, their brain trying to pay attention to their biological function. Yeah, and I can guarantee you now... Um when I was between 13 and 19, the amount of hours that I would stay up playing COD. Um, yeah. Because you were able to play against the Americans. Um, and I, I, <laughs> you know I mean, you'd stay up and you yeah. play against the Americans because they were usually better than majority of the pitches. And you can give them a little bit of uh, verbal abuse over microphones as well. Um, <laughs> 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 Have you seen that one? Um... Was, there's a really good American. Um, what's the word? What, what's what's one called where they do impressions of people? Is it literally just an impressionist? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we'll call him an impressionist. But there's a guy who does like a bang on impression of Donald Trump, and he was going around playing COD, like just trolling people on <laughs> just doing this mad Donald Trump. I'll have, to, uh, I'll have to lock that one up. But it was one of them things because their banter's not the same as ours, so you could yeah. give them a, and they just. They just cry about everything, don't they? Yeah. Like, obviously, over here, like, I remember this from being, a from being a teenager playing God and FIFA and the rest of it, is like, over in the UK, like, your mum is an insult. Yeah. Um, like, but you say that to American man, they will fly over and they will stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't they're, you they're, dare talk about my mum. Yeah, they're, they're different, uh, different breeds, to be fair with you. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it was one of them, because I remember as as kid, we would we stay up late. We would stay up doing yeah. for hours on end, um, even playing yeah. all nighters, just playing Call of Duty. Yeah. But the next day, you were gone. Yeah, and and like this is the thing is like how much of that is social constructs? Because obviously, as teenagers, we are more social. We're learning about our environment more so than any other time, apart from maybe when we're a toddler. Um, how much of that is a social construct? Because we're forced into this system during the day, so we want to fit that time into you know, our free time um, and how much of it is biological function. It's like, you know, it's, it's anyone's guess, really. All we, as I say, all we know is if, let's say, bedtime when you're 11 years old is um, it's 9 p.m. and that's generally the time we actually have the normal biological function of sleep, we can wake up over a few days of being 12 years old and it can all of a sudden have shifted to 11 p.m. Like our, our, our functions just shift, which is, is weird and we don't know why, but it's good to know. Yeah, and do you know what? My little brother will be listening to this, and he's sixteen, and he will be, he'll be telling me, "Mum, see, Mum, I'm allowed to stay up later. It's not my fault. I can see it now. I'll be getting a phone call off him, um, saying thank you." I'm lying to stay up to later now. <laughs> um, so, with the circadian rhythm, what? How yeah. would you? So, if someone is struggling to get into a rhythm, struggling to yeah. get their time, sort of thing, what would you say? work out what time they want to wake up, bring it back in hour and a half slot sort of thing? Or what do you yeah. recommend in that sense? So it's kind of like 
there's no one way to get the ball rolling, if you like. So when we talk about circadian rhythm, people kind of, we link it to sleep purely because sleep is what resets it. So our circadian rhythm is a full 24-hour biological rhythm, if you like. Um, I think off the top of my head, it's actually, if we weren't to use sunlight or kind of bedtimes or anything, our circadian rhythm is actually like between 24 hours and 10 minutes and 24 hours and 45 minutes. But when we go to sleep, it resets. So we just kind of naturally reset it anyway. Um, and our circadian rhythm is not just sleep. We just reset it using sleep, but it's literally our blood sugar response is our endocrine system response. It's our stress response. Like our, our, our circadian rhythm is literally the rhythm of events that our body needs to follow through a day for us to function optimally. Um, and sleep is just the thing we use to reset it. So it's kind of a case of if you want a healthy circadian rhythm, like it can be something like you said, just choosing what time you're going to go to bed and then setting, um, setting a sleep time from there. You can work the other way. Obviously, if you have to be up for a certain time, it's probably easier to work the other way. Well, I need to be up for 6 a.m. What's nine hours backwards from there or yeah. seven and a half hours back from there? Um, the same important thing when we're talking about sleep cycles is allow for the time it approximately takes for you to fall asleep. So, you know, if it takes you, you know, it takes half an hour to actually for you to drift off roughly, um, then add that half hour to your seven and a half hours worth of uh, sleep cycles. So if you're um, someone who struggles with sleep, what would be your recommendation? So I know some people that struggle to actually go to sleep, for, like literally fall asleep sort of thing. Is there uh, something that they can do? Because so, someone might be listening and be thinking, well, I can't just switch off at five past yeah. ten do you know what I mean it might be well it's interesting because the biggest or the leading cause of insomnia is nothing from what we can see biological there's no biological main cause of insomnia it's actually psychological um and the biggest psychological cause of not being able to sleep is stressing about not being able to sleep like you go to sleep and like fuck like lying there flying your back like Arms down by your side, like you're in a fucking coffin. And Be your worst enemy, can't you? Yeah, and you're like, fuck, I can't sleep, fuck, I can't sleep. And you're just getting yourself more and more worked up, um, which doesn't help. I'm just telling someone what their problem is. Yeah. Uh, but this is where something like meditation would help. So a lot of people see meditation as hippy-dippy type, you know, become zen, become one with the universe type shit. And, Meditation is like resistance training for your brain. Like the outcome we're looking from meditation is training your brain, doing this thing called myelination, like strengthening the connections between certain neurons in your brain and learning to draw back from certain thought patterns. I'm just going, no, 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 it's fine. Like if you can be lying in bed, stressing about what you need to do tomorrow and go, look, I don't need to worry about that now. Um, if you strengthen that thought pattern from meditating and actually practice doing it, it becomes a lot easier when you're sleeping. So, first of all, meditation is a huge, huge, huge help with sleep. Not just the fact it'll help you wind down, but you're training yourself to draw yourself back from your overthinking. Other things, well, plan your next day. Like, I'll get all of my clients to write a to-do list, do a brain dump for the next day. Um, so you're not going to bed thinking, shit, I need to remember this, then that, then that. And what if the traffic's bad? And then I need to fit in gym in this time. And then I've got to collect fucking Susie from school at 8, uh, at 3 p.m. And then yeah. obviously it's not like that minute in lockdown, but it's... We, we just kind of let these trains of thought keep rolling and we kind of need to interrupt that thought pattern if we want to sleep well. 
Other really useful bit of advice is supplement with melatonin. Um, I'm not sure if it's easy to get in the UK, uh, but you can go on iHerb.com, which is an American site, and I'll ship to, I'll ship to the UK. I just think you're not allowed to buy more than 90, 90 capsules at a time. Right, okay. Um, I'm not too sure if you can get them in Holland and Barrett. Oh, can you? Something, something's telling me you might be able to get them because one of my, uh, I explained, I spoke to one of my clients about it not long ago, um, and they've got some. I'm not sure if I'm pretty sure he's, uh, he said Holland and Barrett, so it might be able to get them in the UK. I might be wrong, um, but be awesome if you can. Um, um, what I'll do, I'll add it to the notes on the bottom. So if somebody does want to supplement them. <laughs> yeah, it's there. Um, Regardless of where anywhere anyone is in the world, I'll recommend iHerb. I recommend iHerb just in general. Um, pretty much for any supplements as well. Um, obviously, wherever you are in the world, obviously in the UK, UK has a few weird customs restrictions on quantities and stuff. So um, probably probably just take take um, take a look at those before you try and order them. Um, but yeah, if we're talking about like sleep disruptors, though, like if people are struggling for sleep, it's like. Aside from the psychological reason, if you can't switch your brain off, like what are what circadian what 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 we call circadian disruptors or sleep disruptors do you have in place in the first place? And most people, or the three common ones that people have in their lives that they can cut out for the benefit of their sleep quite quickly are alcohol, caffeine, and blue light. So, alcohol in the first place, like look, I like a beer. Um, I enjoy having a couple of beers on a Friday night with a pizza. Like I, I'm not saying to anyone go, you know, tito or and just cut it out unless you want to. You'll get health benefits from from cutting it out. But yeah. you know, if you enjoy a drink, obviously keep it in there. But one of the things that alcohol does, and and this is where I was going to get into the difference between being asleep or being unconscious. So whilst we're asleep, we have these. This, this, this activity in our brain, which we're expecting to see. What alcohol does is it slows down and the more you have, it moves from a point of being slowed down to actually knocks it out. Um, but it slows down the function of what's called the executive center of your brain. It's the front part of your brain called the pre prefrontal cortex. And that is where we see all the activity during sleep. So when most people might have alcohol to relax because it is a physical depressant, it will slow us down, it will lower our heart rate, the rest of it. It affects our sleep quality massively in that our brain always gets a little bit confused because there's this need for sleep, but the biological, you know, the, 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 the biological triggers we need to happen in the right order to sleep don't happen when we have alcohol. So like, I'm, I'm sure everyone's had it before where you're absolutely wasted or even just had a few drinks absolutely fuck come the end of the night and just like i can't wait for bed and you'll lie there and the room's just spinning yeah, yeah. like <laughs> you, you can't sleep and then when you do sleep you wake up feeling like you've not had any sleep partly because obviously the alcohol is a poison that's obviously the physical effects of alcohol but it's also because alcohol prevents the um the, the function of sleep from happening um to a certain degree anyway if you have one beer not gonna be it be the end of the world but anything more than like Two, two glasses of wine, you're going to start to notice pretty severe effects in your sleep quality. Some people also use beer as a, um, as they call a nightcap, um, to help them to fall asleep as well. Um, yeah, may that be like a whiskey or something. A lot of people do. Why do what? What's the effect of that? Is it just a, a mental, mental side of thing to think that you're going to go to sleep quicker, or is it actual 
No, because it doesn't matter to you. Like, you'll, you'll always feel more... Like, you'll, you'll, you'll feel more relaxed after having a nightcap. Like, you'll feel more physically relaxed, which is, it's like, it's this really annoying thing, because that's the feeling we're chasing by having a drink and just being relaxed, but we then wake up feeling worse, which then raises our stress levels through the next day, because we do feel worse. Yeah. Needing, fueling the need for alcohol and the need for something to wind down more. And, so, and look, this is different for different people. It's either food, it's alcohol, whatever. Basically, what we're using these things for is to chase this feeling of relaxation, happiness, whatever. Um, but basically, when we feel like shit, we use alcohol to kind of numb ourselves against feeling shit and actually use it as a tool to relax. Because um, it does, it works. Like if, you have, if you have a beer, you'll feel relaxed. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy cooking. Uh dinner and having a glass of beer or a pint of beer or whatever um I mean, yeah. It, yeah it's just one of them things where and i think it, it's a habit as well from being a chef as well doing you, you come home yeah. and you just want to be and you just want to go to sleep and having a beer now whilst cooking i just find it's just yeah i wouldn't say therapeutic because it's not quite therapeutic but it's just that relaxing moment is nearly like yeah, and, and it is. It's a lot of people's trigger, like, on a Friday night, had a hard week, I'm going to have a drink. Yeah. Um, so you get the benefit from it, the side effect that we don't see on us. It's harder to cut out because we don't see the side effect. That, you know, you don't see yourself. You don't see your brain not doing what it's supposed to type thing. All you really register is the feeling that you're relaxed. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, like, falling unconscious compared to sleeping like falling unconscious can feel like falling into a really deep sleep um so like oh it's working i'm sleeping really well it helps me to sleep and it doesn't like it helps us to fall unconscious but not the actual sleep side of things um but but yeah the the, the other side of thing uh, the other two things um caffeine is a big one um, like, don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan of coffee. Um, I love, I, I do love a good cup of coffee. You can't live in Melbourne and not be a bit of a coffee wanker. Um, but, <laughs> um, but the thing with caffeine is we are talking earlier about adenosine and how it builds up to create this sleep pressure. But the way caffeine works, the reason it makes us feel more alert is what should happen is adenosine sits in our receptors in our brain to kind of just gradually build up and and signal tr triggers the signal that we need sleep caffeine also fills the same receptor if you like blocking the adenosine from going off so our brain's not registering that there's this buildup of sleep pressure so there is still this buildup of adenosine our brain just doesn't register it which is why that's what causes the caffeine crashes when caffeine clears out all of a sudden adenosine overloads your brain and go fuck i'm tired now um yeah. but the thing with caffeine is it works it's, it's got something called well everything has something called a half-life which is what we measure how long it's active for in the bloodstream so caffeine has a half-life of between five and seven hours depending how much of a certain enzyme you have in your liver and basically all that means is if you have a coffee at three or four p.m you still have half a cup, cup of coffee in your system at you know What's my math? Uh, eight, 8 to 10 p.m. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's like saying, would you like a really small coffee just before you go to bed? It's like, probably not. Um, That's one thing that I've um, looked into myself um, because I used to drink a lot of coffee later on in the yeah. day and I couldn't understand why I couldn't sleep. So yeah. my thought is now is I won't have a coffee after 12. Yeah. 
and the benefits yeah. I've personally seen, and it, it might not work for everyone, but the benefits, and I've spoken to my clients as well, um, because they were like, I can't sleep, can't sleep. I'm like, how much coffee are you having after three? Like, oh, I'm having yeah. one at three o'clock when I finish work or five o'clock, and then I'll have another one at nine o'clock when I watch Coordination Street or whatever. I'm like, yeah. let's take them two away. Let's just have a glass of water, or even just a cup, of, small cup of tea, because even then there's still a little bit of caffeine. It's not as excessive, but you still have that little, as you say, just to fog that tiredness out, isn't it? Yeah, and and it's, it's the same sort of thing as alcohol, right? It's, it's you will get people who say, I can have a coffee just before I go to bed, and I'll fall asleep fine. And it's like, you're not falling asleep, you're just so exhausted that you are losing consciousness when you close your eyes. It's not sleep that's happening, it's just a lack of consciousness. Um, so, look, you do get... There are... And I almost don't want to mention this because it's such a tiny minority. Like I think we're talking one in 15,000 people who produce an excessive amount of this enzyme, which breaks caffeine down, um, which means that they can have a cup of coffee in an hour later, fall asleep, like it'll be out of their system. We're going to have um, so many people messaging now and be like, I'm one of the people. <laughs> I'm not one in 15,000. I'm one in 15. You're not really. Yeah. You're, not, you're just tired. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And... Um, Oh, someone else wanted to talk about the caffeine. I can't remember. Oh, that's it. So when we talk about half-life, obviously it's five to seven hours. The other important thing is that it generally has an elimination life of uh, nine and a half hours. So that's how long generally it takes to be completely removed from your system. Yeah, no, I, you know what? I, I find it very interesting because people just relate stuff like weight loss, as I mentioned earlier, it's just to a deficit. And it is to an extent. It is. it's a bigger picture and um, people yeah. people will sacrifice sleep for the gym and sacrifice yeah. sleep for prepping their food they'll sleep for yeah. watching they'll, they'll sacrifice sleep's the first thing to be sacrificed i'll sacrifice sleep for me time of course and yeah in in a, a world where it's actually wait a minute have the sleep as me time sort of thing yeah oh that's it and when we're looking for me time, it's because essentially we want time to escape from the stresses of the day. Whereas if you sleep better, like this isn't just kind of again, if you sleep better, your mood will improve. You'll have increased dopamine, serotonin sensitivity. And the situation that you're trying to escape from because you don't really enjoy it, you will enjoy that situation more in the first place. Meaning that you don't really even need to ex escape from it. Um, so, yeah, like I, I get it. I, I understand why why people would sacrifice sleep when they're kind of in a cycle of not feeling great and just wanting time for themselves. But if you don't commit a week to getting eight to nine hours sleep a night, you will you will feel infinitely better just in general. Yeah, it's 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 one of the things that people do need to listen to their body a lot more in saying, wait a minute, I am tired. This Netflix season can wait until tomorrow or another day. I need sleep. Yeah. And I, not everyone will get seven to nine hours sleep, which, I mean, it's it's understandable. Not everyone's got that, I wouldn't say perfect lifestyle, but the opportunity as well to switch off. And But a lot of people also don't help themselves in, in it either. They'll, they'll be on their phone until swipe. I mean, they'll be scrolling in bed. Yeah. But, that's the main thing we'll talk about. I was just about yeah. to mention now. Um, I won't uh, steal it, and they'll let you let you go with. No, go on, man. Like, I, I've been talking forever, so you you go no, for it. Um, uh, I was looking at examine um, 
study the other day about um, not having your phone um, 30 minutes before sleep, I think it was, or an hour and a half. Yeah. An hour and a half before sleep and the sleep yeah. quality, um, the difference in sleep quality. Um, yeah. So having it 10, 20 minutes before you go to bed. Personally, I listen to podcasts or audibles um, yeah. and I put them on Same. sleep time and for me, that just sends me off. I mean, there's some days where I'll listen to two or three audible, two or three podcasts, I mean, depending on how long yeah. they're um, and I seem to, that helps me tone down a little like bit. That. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll, I'll jump into that and, and the blue light thing in, in just a second. But you mentioned sleep and weight loss, which is a big thing because there is, um, there is a massive link between being overweight and a lack of sleep. But there is no biological function that we have known of until this not even until this point, we're still not quite sure. We're still kind of trying to figure it out that would cause a lack of sleep to, to, to make someone overweight. But what, what we're starting to see is that ATP production changes with our sleep level. With, with, so obviously we, sleep is created by this buildup of adenosine. This is what's theorized is that this sleep, sleep need is created by this buildup of adenosine in our system. And, what we're basically seeing is that if our brain is registering that there is already this existing adenosine in our system, it's not going to try and produce more ATP, which is essentially the calories thing. It's just it's the, en- the actual energy we use from calories. Um, so while it's not metabolic damage or anything like that, but it, there's suggestions that a lack of sleep can lower your metabolic rate because we reduce our ATP production to account for the increased constant amount of AT, uh, of adenosine kind of flowing around our bloodstream. So that is a potentially very interesting thing. Like, you know, if it's true, you can literally sleep yourself into shape, <laughs> um, which would be, which would be cool. People have, um, people are saying like, um, you know, I mean, energy balance stuff, but people lose weight in a coma. Do I mean, and I'm not saying yeah. everyone going to a coma, you're going to lose weight. It's not, I mean, I'm not saying yeah. that before anyone jumps the gun. And I know what people are like these days. They heard yeah. on a podcast now they got to go into a coma. It's not the way forward. But people, <laughs> it, it's, it's a, and that is about energy balance. And people saying, oh, I'm really stressed. I can't, I can't cope and stuff like that. Sleep. It turns all the stress away. Do I mean, and then it's the same with social media. If you're getting hate on social media, turn it off. If you can't, yeah. turn it off. Same with sleep. Yeah. The same with your body. If if you're stressed, turn it off. Go to sleep. Yeah. And and, and this, this is something, this this is more kind of, with, with my guys, I'll jump down the, I don't want to call it psychological because I don't have a psychology qualification, but the patterns of behavior, like the world we live in now, like we will give different opinions online from a huge weight range of people equal we'll, we'll give them equal weight so we could have someone we love tell us we, that they think we're amazing we're doing a great job you know comment on our page to tell us how awesome we look and the rest of it and how proud of us they are you can also have someone that you don't really know don't really give a shit about go that's a bit fucking stupid isn't it why are you doing that and all of a sudden this you've given it equal weight and this is one of the reasons I'll tell my guys to um, to, to to stay on social media where, where possible because it's not it's very little positive comes from being on social media for me anyway. Um, yeah, um, but before I forget the blue light thing we were talking about, 
um, you talk about removing removing um, blue light from from uh, for an hour and a half before you sleep. So when we say blue light, it's any screened electronic device, even if it has a blue light filter, will release a certain level of blue light. Now, blue light is the same light we get from the sun. It's one of our main triggers for our circadian rhythm. Um, so if you're shining something that's given up blue light, our brain is registering sunlight. It's the middle of the day. Our body pattern should be acting like it's the middle of the day. Um, so if you're scrolling, A, you've got the psychological, you know, you're scrolling through social media, fucking reading arguments about the American election, conspiracy theories, which is stressing you out anyway. Um, and you've also got the thing of you're effectively shining a very tiny sun directly into your eyes um, and, and not able to, to wind down. So again, having a wind down routine in place that doesn't involve TV, that doesn't involve a laptop, iPad, phone, whatever, is huge. Um, and like, again, there's no right or wrong way to have a wind down routine. It just has to not have those things in it. Dimming the lights in your house will also help. Um, you know, if you can have lamps on rather than full bore, like lighting going, that that'll help. But you know, whether you have a shower, a bath, take some time to read, podcast, audiobook, like just something where you can allow your brain to go a little bit mental and just focus on something without this biological trigger of having of having your circadian rhythm disrupted will be a huge thing. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's interesting um, because. I'm guilty myself. I'll go to bed. Yeah. I'll, I'll turn over and I'll scroll on my phone for twenty minutes, half an hour. And then I'll just be like, "Why am I not able to sleep?" Um, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people um, struggle to sleep, but don't allow them time to sleep. If that makes sense, so they'll wait. Yeah. They'll wait five minutes. Oh, I can't sleep. Back on their phone. Well, you just react exactly right. this timer sort of thing. And then yeah. can't sleep back on my phone. And I've done it myself. I've done it myself. And yeah. my girlfriend shout, she kicks off at me for doing it. I'll, in the yeah. middle of the night, I'll look at my phone and see what the time is. She goes, get off your phone. And I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. Um, put, put your phone on the other side of it. Yeah. And the other thing as well is that people will tell themselves they're getting seven hours in bed. And they're including like an hour of watching Netflix in bed or an hour of phone time in that time. Um <laughs> So if you take that hour away, plus the hour and a half that it takes for you to kind of start to wind down and your biological rhythms to fall back into place, like you instantly cut two and a half hours off that seven hours, giving yourself in bed. Then you're looking at, uh, you know, you're looking at four and a half hours, five hours there. Um, yeah. So one question I want to ask you is, how do you continue to learn um, to stay on top of things in your role at the moment? Obviously, you mentioned books, podcasts, and stuff. Yeah. How what what how would you stay on top? Because obviously studies keep coming out, and what we're saying now in a year's time could be completely wrong. Could be fucking miles out. So yeah, how do you stay on top of things? I think I think there's, there's two things for me. The way I just like to structure my time is like I'll structure my year into quarters, where I will focus on one thing or a group of things per quarter. Like I want to. Not master that you can't master something in a quarter, but I want to kind of deep dive into this subject and understand it better. So actually, commit. You know, if, if you're going to learn something, commit part of the year to doing it, um, and be prepared to change that through the year or kind of commit two quarters to it if it's super interesting or whatever. The other thing, the most for me, the most um, the most effective way to stay up to date is podcasts. 
not the podcast themselves, but if you're listening to a podcast with an expert, they'll usually quote studies and then you kind of instantly start, you, you get this chain of, okay, well, I can learn about this and this and this, and this is what's most current. Um, yeah, so it's a podcast for me. I think when it comes to sleep, it's always kind of been incidental that I've heard something, like either on a, like I say, Joe Rogan podcast. Um, there's a really good guest he has. She doesn't talk about sleep, but she speaks with a lot of guests in other podcasts um, called Dr. Rhonda Patrick. Um, so she's super up to date, more, more, alongside the, uh, more along the nutrition lines, but she's brilliant because um, she is very much someone who will stay up to date with things. Um, but yeah, I think listening to books as well that have stood the test of time, like Matthew Walker's Why We Sleep is probably one of the highest reviewed sleep books. And it's interesting, even if you're not interested in sleep, it's an interesting book, it's an interesting audiobook, it's an interesting reader, an interesting listen. So I think more than anything, rather than even worrying about staying current, is just committing to learning about it. Um, is a big thing because you'll you'll find current stuff by accident yeah no i 100 agree with you on there as well um so b- before we wrap it up is there any myths yeah. in sleep or training that you want to debunk now are there anything that really pisses you off and that is a myth for me i hate the thought of people with a fat diet and stuff obviously they're they're they annoy me they stress me out and then when they claim that it's their products and it it just stresses me out and like what are you going on about yeah um yeah it's the the worst is when they have when i when i post a thing on my instagram kicking off about these fat burners etc and i get yeah. someone come into my dms going are you interested in earning 10k this month i'm like yeah let me click on your page oh wait a minute you you mislead people for a financial gain okay um See, I, I I understand what you're saying with that, but I'm very much in two minds because obviously we've got as PTs we fucking love pyramids, right? Like we nutrition, exercise, sleep, like you know, supplements, right at the top. Yeah. Of them. So we've got the things that are actually like most optimal, if you like. But for me, I need a pyramid sitting alongside that of like a behavior pyramid into a supplement. And that supplement is the trigger that they the exercise because they bought this supplement. All of a sudden, that behavioural thing has become the thing that kicks everything off, and it's probably the most valuable thing they could have done. I'm not going buy a supplement; you'll piss out and are the biggest fucking waste of money. They they, they literally do nothing. Um, but if that's almost like the behavioural trigger someone needs, like fuck it, yeah. it works. It works. I, I, you know what, and it's one of them. I understand where you come with it, and it's a thing where what the thing that annoys me is when they pre- uh, preach that it's their product that's done it and not a deficit. Yeah. That's when I get yeah. really like, wait a minute. There's some people like I know some people who do sell. I can't obviously legal rights can't go into Schmerber Life, um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know people sell them, but they preach properly about it. They say, listen. You you still need to burn more calories than what you eat to do it, and they and I've got no issues in that, and they don't throw it down people's throats. It's this, it's that, and yeah, I, I do mean I've got no problems whatsoever. Um, but it's just them people that um preach that it's that product that makes it, and that's what I'm like. Come on, have See, a day off. So. But that's 
that's where it just comes down to a lack of education because they probably believe it's their product. Like they see people getting the results from using their product. Like, fuck, it's a magic pill. And it's like, no, like if you have three shakes a day and that's all you have, then yeah, you're going to lose weight, mate. Um, it's nothing to do with the product. As you say, it's just you're in a calorie deficit. Um, and it's a hundred so, as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, if, if you eat less, or actually, no, I'm not going to say because it's not always the case. But generally speaking, people are overweight because they've overeat and they've not controlled their calories. Yeah. And it's over, it's over a long period of time. And these people expect the same results back in 21 days, 21, 28 days. And yeah. do you know what? I credit everyone who does do these challenges and does see um, small results. But as long as they understand that majority of that weight is going to be water weight, unfortunately. Yeah. The the thing I like to say to people with challenges is what happens after the challenge? Yeah. What do you do do after the challenge? Um, Because when I started, uh, I ran a 12-day challenge uh, and none of it was to do with weight. It was all about um, building habits. So it was drinking more water. um, Yeah. And it was... Some people were were not cooking any meals, so it was saying like, yeah. right. So your target over the twelve days is going to be you're cooking a, one meal. That's all I want you to do. Yeah. One meal in the first week, one meal in the second week. That's all, and it's going to be under four hundred calories or five hundred calories. That's it. They're like, Pan-ish. that's amazing. Yeah. And they're like, is that all? And I was like, yeah, but I I, I eat healthy. I'm like, yeah, you, you can say you eat healthy, but when you track your calories, you go an avocado, bacon, chicken, and pasta. I mean, yeah. that, that's some people's full day calorie there. And, and this is the thing, like, we've got no, um, we've got no real metric for what eating healthy is. Um, so, yeah, like, I think it's, it's just a rabbit, like, we could do a fucking three hour podcast on that. But, um, yeah, yeah, no. And it, it, that's, yeah. it's just one of them um, myths that I like to debunk a little bit. And it's just like, yeah. So, with sleep ones, then I reckon. I think that I don't really think there's many sleep myths other than it's not important. The only one I'd say maybe is that you can survive on less than six hours of sleep a night. Yeah, 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 you can't. If you're sleeping less than, if you're spending less than seven good quality hours in bed per night, you cannot expect to feel good. Like, you don't get to complain that you don't feel like this is where I've become quite harsh and say you don't get to complain that you don't feel good and not getting results if you're not prepared to spend seven good quality hours in bed per night. With the caveat of shift workers, where we just try to improve sleep quality where we can. Yeah, no. Other, other one is parents with young kids as well, obviously. Yeah, uh, they obviously the a bit more. Um, yeah. And at the moment, I've never experienced that, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't, at the moment, I couldn't think of sacrificing my sleep. Um, no. Unfortunately. One day this podcast is going to um, be listened back and I'm going to go... Did I actually say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, mate, who knows? Hopefully one day we'll find something to replace sleep. Um, I think the bottom line is, even though we've kind of dived two different bits, like you'll never have a good night's sleep and wake up feeling worse. No. Like, it's hard to have a bad day after a good night's sleep. Yeah. It sets you up. I think a good night's sleep, you wake up, and do you know what? When you wake up natural. Yeah. It beats yeah. the alarm. It beats everything. When you wake up a minute before your alarm, naturally, you feel a lot better than what you would do if you woke up five minutes after you snooze. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think 
I think that's massive and that's a great point actually. I hadn't had that done in my notes. But hitting snooze, um, big thing. Like just avoid it all costs. Put your fucking alarm clock on the other side of the room. So you have to get up and turn it off because if you fall, so if you've got a five minute snooze, that's enough time to trigger another sleep cycle and you're waking up or you're waking up again, having started another sleep cycle and that's called sleep inertia. Um, so yeah, don't just don't fucking hit snooze unless you're making it a 90 minute snooze. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if I'm late for work at any point, uh, it's because I hit a 90 minute snooze. Yeah. Yeah, this is the thing, like, if my clients, like, I'm, I'm at the point now, if they miss a Zoom session or they're late to a, not miss one, it pisses me off if they miss one, but if they're late to a Zoom session, it's in the morning because it's evening over in Australia when it's our morning, um, sorry, the other way around, in, in my evening when it's their morning, and they're like, sorry, I just, I just got a bit more disappointed, I'm fine, I'm fine with that, I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. So, as we just wrap this up now, um, where can people find your page? Um yeah, um, I'm not really on social media that much. I kind of practice, make a, make a point of practicing what I preach. I do have a Facebook page, uh, which is Andy Robinson Coaching. Um, but otherwise, if you want to get a hold of me, it's andyrobinsoncoaching.com. Or if you'd like to email with me with questions, feedback, abuse, whatever, um, andy at andyrobinsoncoaching.com. Um, and I'll add all them into the notes as well. So if anyone wants to... Uh dive into them and um, give Andy some abuse as he mentioned um, you're more than welcome to do so and it's also yeah. going to be on the YouTube we'll pop it on and in there as well um, but Andy it's been an absolute pleasure having you um, I can't thank, thank you, you. Thank thank you for having I've, I've learned some some stuff myself today um, which nice. especially about sleep and stuff and yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to going for a 90 minute sleep now um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no if you are going to make it 20 minutes or less Right, okay. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. Um, and thank you all for listening. Thanks, guys. Thank you.